This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Chris Filippo about women's suffrage. He recently researched the life and work of Judge Elijah Hurlbut so that a marker, part of the National Votes for Women trail, could be placed near the site of the judge's long-gone mansion in Bethlehem. His research found women's suffrage meetings basically everywhere, he says, naming Burn, Medusa, Potter Hollow, Westerlow, Gilderland, New Scotland, Voorheesville, New Salem, Vera Bush, and Altamont, among others. He encourages everyone to look for lost local history. You who read our paper closely will realize he had his picture in print because he did a lot of research on a man I had never heard of and we're going to learn a lot about, a Judge Alicia Powell Hurlbut, who was a suffragist and now has a commemorative historical marker as part of the National Votes for Women Trail in Bethlehem. So welcome, Chris. Uh, Thank you. It's good to be talking to you again. Yes, we've talked before because Chris just has such wide-ranging interests and delves so deep into things. So what is it that got you interested in suffragists? Um, I, I had to refresh my memory on this, actually, because this, this goes back um, a few years. Um, back in 2017, when I had been a trustee for the Lansingburg uh, Historical Society, and 2017 had been um, New York's uh, centennial for suffrage. Um, and the Pomeroy Foundation had at that time a, a, a suffrage uh, marker um, program, grant program, and they had um, put out publicity about that to different historical societies. And so at one of the trustee meetings, um, the secretary kind of mentioned that we had gotten this letter about a grant. Um, and said, well, but we didn't have any suffragists here, so we'll just move on to the next item on the agenda. And I said, well, wait a moment. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe we did. You know, let me just look first. Um, and so I did some quick research. And as, as in so many cases, the, the Fulton History uh, website with its uh, newspaper archives that are, you know, very good for New York, and he's gotten even into other states. Um, I did some searches on there and found that, yes, there was suffrage activity in Lansingburg, and it turned out we actually had a fairly significant suffragist uh, in Lansingburg uh, whose home had even been nicknamed the Equal Rights Hotel uh, because whenever there were out-of-town suffragists visiting for uh, conventions in the area, they would stay there. Um, and she spoke at kind of different, um, conferences and events and, 
and so forth. So uh, she was not mentioned just in local newspapers, but kind of around the country. Um, so I had put together uh, information about her, applied to the grant program, um, and we did get a marker for her under that earlier grant program that um, the Pomeroy Foundation had. So, and what, what was uh, her name? What was the name of this woman? Oh, sorry. Uh, that was Caroline Gilkey Rogers. Well, what's fascinating to me about that story, and I love the anecdote, <laughs> you know, we're moving on to the next item, and you said, wait a minute, is that so many of us don't know our own history. And something 100 years ago, you had this uncanny ability to just delve in and just could you kind of tell us what your like first line of resources are you mentioned this Fulton History website where you looked up and saw newspaper articles and that started you is that your usual go-to place or Uh, frequently it is I mean I I do use um, Google Books kind of Google Scholar um, the New York State uh, historical newspapers website, which is a, a free archive. Um, I've had subscriptions to some of the pay uh, archives like Genealogy Bank or newspapers.com, newspaperarchives.com. Um, there's a fair amount that you can get access to through the New York um, Public Library in New York City if you get like a digital um, membership. Uh, library card. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they give you access to databases. Um, you know, Ancestry.com, kind of useful, not just for doing your own genealogy, but doing research about people uh, in your area or elsewhere. Um, but yeah, Fulton History, I, I do use an awful lot. And one of the reasons why I like it is um, they offer what's called a Boolean uh, search. And the Boolean search, like ordinarily in Google, you can just type in different search terms and it'll tell you kind of what book um, those words appear in. But on Fulton History with the Boolean search, you can do something like um, suffrage W slash 30 um, Bethlehem, um, just to start. And what, what that means is like W slash 30 would be the word suffrage within 30 words of uh, Bethlehem. So by doing that kind of proximity search, um, you're increasing the probability that you're going to get something relevant to what you're looking for. And you can add additional things to that also, like, um, and file name contains uh, Albany. So that would restrict it to uh, Albany newspapers or file name contains, um, let's say, 1840, uh, tilde, tilde, um, 1919. So that would restrict the search to um, newspapers that were published between like 1840 and 1919. Um, So there's a lot of versatility and you can add really as many search terms as you want. So you can do something really long like... um, I, I was recently looking for suffragists kind of in Altamont, Gilderland, uh, Hilltown. So you can do like New Scotland or Altamont or Gilderland or Reedsville or Westerlo, et cetera, you know, um, 
within 30 suffrage. And then you can also, you can use a wild card. So you can do a suffrag, essentially suffrag asterisk, and that will um, give you suffrage, suffragist, suffragists, suffragism, (laughs) you know. Fascinating. Yes. Um, Yeah. Well, and thank you for sending me. You sent me some of the things you that now I realize you must have found in that search from the area that the Enterprise covers. And it was just so much fun to read um, these events that happened right where I'm sitting, um, you know, all those years ago and that we've lost track of. It, It was sort of everywhere, the suffragist movement for decades with women, pockets of them, you know, trying to push forward. And it it took such sustained effort for so long. It actually gives me hope for some of the movements we're working on now. But how is it that you settled on Judge Hurlbut? How, How did that come about? Yeah, it was something kind of similar um, with Lansingburg. Back in February uh, 2020, um, there was a meeting kind of of the executive board with the trustees of the Bethlehem Historical Association, which I'm one of the trustees at now. Um, And because 2020 was um, the centennial of the passing of the 19th Amendment. Right. Um, So it it was, again, kind of a a big anniversary for suffrage. And I I had brought up um, before the meeting with the the president, Karen Beck, um, the possibility of some kind of suffrage exhibit. Um, And she didn't think we really had much um, in the way of um, items or that, that we could put together an exhibit. Um, and, but I, I mentioned that, well, there, there's, there was a traveling, um, exhibit sort of thing from the New York state museum. Um, there were panels that you could have printed, um, to display kind of concerning the history of suffrage in New York. And I said that that was something we could look into, um, for the museum and we didn't end up doing that um but she because she had said that there just didn't seem to be much that we had about kind of uh, suffrage in bethlehem I, I did the same thing i had kind of with lansingburg kind of i just went online to these different databases and started looking for you know bethlehem and all the different names of the hamlets you know glenmont and bethlehem center and uh, Selkirk, Ellesmere, Slingerland, uh, etc. Um, and so I, I quickly found that uh, here again, there, there certainly was suffrage uh, activity in Bethlehem and kind of of um, all of what had gone on in the town, um, Judge Hurlbut kind of seemed the most uh, significant. Um, He was somebody that uh, he had done some lectures in New York City in 1839 um, about different topics, uh, including the rights of women. And then he had published uh, a paper on that subject in 1841. And then uh, he had included that 
in a, a book of essays on on rights and either kind of the the earlier version uh, that had been published in a journal or the the later version that was included in his book of essays was influential uh, on the women at the um, 1848 Seneca Falls uh, Convention, the, the 1848 Declaration of Sen uh, Sentiments that sort of resembles uh, in general format kind of the American Declaration of Independence, you know, starting when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one portion of the family of man to assume among the people of the earth a portion different from that which they have hitherto occupied and so on um and they they included things in there that were um you know essentially points that he had made uh in his essay like they they included he uh man uh has made her uh if married in the eye of the law civilly dead and that was kind of a point that he really hammered in his essay quite a bit. Um, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton um, had met him. Uh, well, let's see, I have a quote from her. Uh, Soon after Judge Hurlbut had published his work on human rights, and I had addressed the legislature for the first time, we met at a dinner party in Albany. Mr. and Mrs. Seward were there. The senator was very merry on that occasion and made Judge Hurlbut and myself the target for all his ridicule on the woman's rights question in which most of the company joined so that we stood quite alone. Uh, and so they kind of bonded at that time. Um, and yeah, yes, you sent me that. And I'm going to go a little further in that excerpt because okay, what, I thought sure, was, sure. what I thought was so wonderful is the social decorum at the time at a dinner party. The men would retire afterwards and the women would retire to the parlor. You know, this gender separated <laughs> grouping, right. which in, in my lifetime, I've experienced that, too. It's not all that old. And um, she writes, separated from the judge, I should now be an hour with a bevy of ladies who evidently felt a repulsion to all my most cherished opinions. And she described how she would just occupy herself looking at books and paintings since none of the ladies would talk to her. And I just, I just thought that was such a great encapsulation of what it must be, you know, a hundred plus years ago to have had opinions that were not in the mainstream and the sort of social pariah that you became. Um, right. Yeah, that was marvelous. And the other thing that I loved that you had in your footnote um, was the Judge Hurlbut you wrote, with a lawyer's prejudice, first prepared a paper against the rights of women. Looking it over, he saw himself able to answer every argument which he pursued to do, the result being his human rights. I just I thought that was just a great insight into how a legal uh, mind works. Yeah, I believe I believe that was a footnote from uh, the book that Elizabeth uh, Cady Stanton had edited with uh, Matilda Jocelyn Gage and Susan B. Anthony, The History of Woman Suffrage, a, a multiple volume. Well, um, it was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so he, he did uh, remain uh, involved with the issue of suffrage um, over the years, kind of that uh, he was someone that, that would be quoted as being in favor, but kind of he had also uh, um, been part of uh, conventions uh, that would occur. And he did waver a little bit on the issue at, at one point when he became concerned that kind of uh, like the extent to which religiosity uh, of women might uh, influence their votes because he was very strong on the issue of uh, separation of church and state. But that, that sort of doubt that he had uh, was not kind of particularly strongly uh, felt or, or for very long. So he did kind of remain uh, committed to the issue. Did you get a sense of how this played out in his home life? I know that you document he was married to Catherine Van Vechten, the daughter of Tunis Van Vechten and Catherine Gansevoort, and they had four children. I mean, was there any sense of any of your research churning up his domestic life, you know, how those beliefs. Uh, uh, yes and no. I mean, there is um, someone who like I, I don't personally have a lot of information about that. I, I know that he felt a little bit um, intellectually isolated in Glenmont and kind of the historical Glenmont kind of the, the Glenmont that we think of today, kind of the zip code one, two, oh, seven, seven. Uh, the post office has sort of expanded the idea of what uh, Glenmont encompasses to um, kind of include what historically was called Bethlehem Center. And there's actually starting to use again more in town, the roundabout at the intersection of Fearbush and 9W. They actually added uh, signs recently saying Hamlet of Bethlehem Center. So the historical Glenmont um was really kind of down at the river intersection of the river road and the Glenmont road. Um, so a relatively small kind of, uh, neighborhood, um, not so many houses down there. Um, and the, the historical marker itself is sort of a bit North of that area on, um, halter road and the river road. Um, the house that it's in front of is, a cottage that he owned, um, and then another small house a bit north of there at Retreat House Road in the River Road uh, is another cottage that had been part of his his large farm property. Uh, at the top of Halter Road, um, there's a home that had formerly been his carriage house, but at some point it was uh, turned into a residence. His own home, uh, unfortunately, burned uh, decades ago. Um, so how did you but, locate or decide where exactly to put the marker? I mean, the mansion had burned and right. the cottage just seemed like a physical structure that was part of what was his estate. So or is that how did you decide where to put that? Kind of. Um, I mean, I, I had put together as much research um, as I could find about him together and kind of, I, I only knew like, what, well, what did we do? Like his property was sort of in that area, but where would we put the sign exactly? Um, and Susan Leaf, the town historian and Karen Beck, 
the president of the historical association, kind of, they were able to find kind of some uh, pictures of um, his house that had burned. Um, so our, our thinking was that by, by putting it um, near kind of an uh, extant building that was associated with him and putting it kind of so that it would be visible, if not necessarily readable from the river road, um, that th that would make it more visible than if we were putting it at the very top of Halter Road where the carriage house uh, was converted into a residence because that's a dead end road and kind of most people in town, um, unless they live on the road or have mm -hmm. friends on that road, just would have no reason to ever go there. Um, but the river road kind of, uh, you'll at least notice that there's a historical marker there and maybe you'll pull in and take a look at what it says. Um, yeah. so, and I should mention the colors of the historical marker kind of when people see it, they're a little surprised because it's sort of a, a lavender purple um, color instead of like the traditional uh, New York State Education Department kind of blue and yellow colors. Uh, and the reason for that is um, really only those the traditional old NYSED markers have to be blue and yellow. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, when anybody else is sponsoring a historical marker, uh, even if they're using that same general mold, um, they can pick any colors they want as long as they're not going to uh, interfere with kind of traffic signs and cause any confusion with those. So they, they had picked um, the, the National Women's um, Go for Women Trail. They, they picked uh, lavender as one of the traditional uh, woman suffrage colors. I didn't know that. I always think of white. So the marker itself, I'm looking at a picture of it. It um, has a rectangular shape, says votes for women in very large letters. And it says former estate of Judge do you say his name, Alicia? Is that how you say it? Alicia Powell? I, I would say Elisha. Elisha. Okay. Elisha Powell Hurlbut wrote Rights of Women essay in 1841, served on State Suffrage Committee, 1880 to 1882. And it must have been hard to boil down all those pages and pages of research to just that. Did you, are you the one that came up with the, the wording for that? No, not the exact wording. That was kind of uh, back and forth between uh you know, Susan Leith, myself, the Bethlehem Historical Association, and kind of the Votes for Women trail. Because, um, yeah, there were a lot of things that could have been mentioned there that, um, you know, the dates of his uh, life, you know, date of birth and death, or the fact that his home, actually, uh, he had named his home Glenmont, and then that home, uh, the name of the home kind of got extended to uh, the neighborhood, the name of the neighborhood. So Glenmont got its name from his house. What what brought uh, him to what is now Glenmont? What what brought him to rural Albany County? Why was yeah, he there? That, again, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I mean, he had lived um, kind of further upstate, and he had also kind of uh, at least worked in New York City, if not also lived there. But we're, we're hoping to get kind of more details uh, into his life because there is a thesis uh, that had been written about him um, 
based on some unpublished uh, diaries that he kept. He was apparently quite a prolific writer uh, and diarist. And so we're working on trying to get copies of those uh, unpublished diaries. The family had transcribed them, and they still have the original uh, handwritten ones. Oh, how exciting. So, yeah, we should learn quite a bit more. I mean, they it, I from what I understand, it, it just touches on a lot of different issues. I, I found, as I said, he had been involved with the separation of church and state. He had founded um, the Albany Liberal Association that later changed its name to Albany Secular uh, Association. Um, and it published a newsletter called the Liberal Bulletin. There don't seem to be any extant copies of it, which is unfortunate. Um, it presumably would have had a lot of his writing. Uh, there's some uh, instances of um, articles in that, that bulletin that were quoted in other papers. Um, so that much survives. Um, but maybe kind of there might be drafts of what he wrote or his thoughts on different issues kind of that are included in um, the diaries. One of the things, uh, Susan Leith, uh, on her website, her town historian website, um, I believe it's BethlehemNY.blogspot. Dot com. Um, she made a couple posts about Hurlbut there, and she quoted uh, like a description he had made about um, having seen from his house um, some one of their neighbors that had fallen down drunk on the river road, uh, and his being very annoyed by this because he really did not approve of uh, drunkenness. Um, and he waited a while and eventually kind of contacted the family to say um, you might want to come and pick him up. There, there was nearby a, a hotel called the Abbey. Uh, it was a four-story building, uh, the core of which dated back to Dutch colonial times, very old. Um, but uh, it it had a tavern in it, and so some it could get rowdy. <laughs> Um, well, I love the way it's like you've kind of in your mind peopled the whole neighborhood and looking at this one man, you know, you have a sense of not just the time he lived in, but what was around him during that time. That's fascinating. Right. Yeah. I, I just wonder, too, if you could tell us a little about the National Votes for Women Trail. I mean, is this something that people like on a car trip, say, can follow a map and they'll go through Bethlehem along with Lansingburg and wherever else people have these markers? Is that like a... Well, um, the, the Lansingburg marker was part of an earlier suffrage program that wasn't specifically part of the, the later uh, Votes for Women trail. Okay. Um, but have to, on the Votes for Women trail, is that something people follow? Is there a way you can drive through and see these different places? Because it seems like... Except for the big names that we all know, there were all these, I don't want to call them little names, but all these right. local local initiatives that are largely unrecognized. Even in your two anecdotes, uh, historical societies are the people we entrust to most know our history, thinking, hmm, didn't, no, not here. And really, just the things you sent me, it's amazing how it was all over. Um Grassroots. Um, yeah. So um, they they had also, in addition to um, 
having paid for the the sign and the pole um, and the town installed it for us um, the the boats for women trail had also sent us kind of a, a smaller strip of metal to stick on the bottom of the sign I don't know if the photo you have shows that no I can not. see it it's got a NVWT which was must be national votes for women org. Yeah, so it has a QR code on it also. Mm. Um, so if, if you're standing kind of close enough to it, it pulls up the the website, um, ncwhs.org. Um, and you can see on there um, a map of the trail. And I don't know if they have an app. I'll, I'll have to ask them about that. Um but it, it does show kind of that they have these markers kind of all over the country and even in Alaska and Hawaii. Um, and so you can kind of zoom in on the area. And I think when I had last zoomed in, there wasn't really, I mean, in, in the city of Albany itself, kind of, they, there are things that I think they had noted, um, but I don't know if there was much... Yeah, but I mean, I, I imagine that they're going to keep developing this. So maybe if there's not an app now, perhaps there there will be one in the future. Um, and I don't know if the grant program is still active for it, but certainly if people kind of do research, it would be worth their while to inquire. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing, uh, I did I did some quick searching around uh, regarding as I said, kind of Gilderland, New Scotland, and the, the hill towns. And I, I didn't find that there was anybody quite as prominent as um, Caroline Rogers or Judge Hurlbut, but there, there was um, an equal suffrage club that was formed in Altamont. Um, there were people involved in uh, women's suffrage conventions in the area from basically everywhere. I mean, Burn, Knox, Rensselaerville, specific places, uh, Medusa, Potter Hollow, Preston Hollow, Westerlow, Gilderland, Altamont, Gilderland Center, um, New Scotland, Voorheesville, Clarksville, Furebush, New Salem. I, I found all of those coming up. Um, so like, let's see, 1913, there was a... Uh, suffrage meeting at uh, what was called the the new Masonic Temple at Altamont. Um, there were a number of uh, a, a, for for a number of years the Altamont Fair. There were tables there by both uh, suffragists and anti-suffragists in the area. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm interrupting you because some of the things you sent, you had like an anti-suffrage meeting that was held, I think, in Delmar in 1914. Mm -hmm. And from this distant perspective, looking back, we don't really think of that. That's what I loved about the passage at Elizabeth Cady Stanton at the dinner party. You know, how much there was pushback for the women that right. were doing this. It wasn't just men who were pushing back. There were women pushing back. So, Yeah, I mean, I and I find it kind of ironic in a way that kind of there were these, these women anti-suffragists who were kind of arguing women shouldn't get the vote because, um, you know, politics is this 
corrupting influence. Um, you know, it'll take away from their time in the home. And yet, all here they are being politically active and spending time away from the home, home to fight uh, against to argue it. that essentially <laughs> that they shouldn't be doing that. Right. Um, so, I mean, that that movement I think was kind of. Uh, fated to die just because it really just made no no sense um but yeah there's uh, i should mention um there's a good book about kind of the history of suffrage from 2017 called votes for women uh by jennifer lamack um who's in the state historian's office um and she had an acting state historian briefly after uh, Bob Weibel had left. Uh, so co-written by her and Ashley Hopkins Benton, and they had put together uh, an exhibit at the New York State Museum uh, that was there for the, the New York Centennial in 2017. Um, and, and it was very good. I mean, anybody that missed it, uh, it's too bad that that wasn't a permanent uh, exhibit just because they they had brought together things from so many places that it was really great to see. But the the book itself it's um, it's a large book. It's full color, uh, so it's both um, scholarly and uh, you know a good coffee table book for that matter. Just good to browse in. Um, so kind of it it does go into both suffrage uh, and the anti suffrage. Uh, people as well. Good to know. Votes for women. But I'd like to ask you, too, if you could kind of walk us through the process of getting this marker. We might have listeners who want to delve in, you know, for their own area. And just Mm -hmm. like you have to have original sources. What 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 was the process with the um, William G. Pomeroy Foundation to to get a marker? Um, well, let me think. I mean, it it started. The process started for us um, back in February uh, twenty twenty, and you know, like not not very long after I had discovered the existence of Elijah Hurlbut, kind of a thought, okay, this, he's somebody that's uh, worth documenting, not just, you know, by, by having a small exhibit in the museum. Uh, we, we did have a suffrage uh, exhibit ultimately, but it's not there now, kind of it uh, got moved for uh, other exhibits. Um, so yeah, back, back then I, I did get in touch with them um, just they, they had a page for the, the grant program. Um, and I sent them kind of what I had started to collect. And then they, they have forms uh, that you fill out um, and you have to get a, uh, a land permission letter, kind of depending on whether it's uh, public land, like state land or uh, town land. Um, and I, I can't remember if this particular sign was town or state land if it was kind of considered like um well anyway um or if you're putting it on a private uh lawn um you need permission from the the homeowner um so i mean i would i would go to the website the wgpfoundation.org um 
and they have yeah under a celebrate history tab they have a list of their signature marker grant programs so uh, among the ones that they have right now uh, hungry for history <laughs> which is um pertains to like if there's some local food um if we just had an article in this week's paper on chocolate jumbles, <laughs> which were oh. in Esperance, New York. So, yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah so that, that would be like, you know, Saratoga potato chips or Binghamton uh, Speedies or what have you. Mm. Um, a Legends and Lore program, uh, you know, local folklore kind of thing. National Register, New York State Historic, Patriot Burials, Historic Transportation Canals. So I don't see that they have the Votes for Women one active, but, you know, you could always inquire um, about that. From what I understand, the markers themselves, if they're they're using kind of this traditional um, NYSED-type form, they, they are fairly expensive. They can be. Um, there, there's always other options that could be in, uh, explored uh, by people like... Um, you know, an information kiosk or something like that. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly encourage uh, anybody that's inclined to try to do this sort of thing to give it a shot because, you know, it, it is, uh, it, can, it can be fun, like working out a, a puzzle um, or a mystery. And, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's oh, it's fascinating nice. what you uncovered. I I hope there's some way people can access the. You sent me a lot of your research. Is there some way? Is that posted on the uh, historical association website, or is people can? Uh, read? I had I had not posted it online, but I could do that. I could put it on a Google Drive or something so that you could share a, a link to that. Yeah, I just think people so, would be fascinated. I, yeah, I, so I mean, if if I was thinking about kind of a marker for uh, the areas that you cover, kind of potentially the Altamont Fair site, um, because that was reaching a broader audience than just uh, the local people, because people came from all over to the, to attend the fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there there was a, a smaller uh, women's suffrage um, event I found that it occurred in Voorheesville in 1917, kind of where they did have uh, a number of speakers and guests, so somebody speaking about practical hints for suffrage work and women as citizens, and then they were also kind of involved in trying to help with, um, you know, fundraising for different issues. Not not all specifically suffrage-related, but the suffrages were active with that. So, do you have a next history project in mind? <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, I mean, uh, I, I had mentioned to you kind of uh, before we started talking for the podcast that there is a, a book that I'm working on editing, a collection of um, Victorian Christmas ghost stories. I've done a couple of those already. Uh, I'm doing a third one. Um, there are various topics that I am researching for um, the Bethlehem Historical Association, um, you know, trying to think about ideas for uh, exhibits, but also um, 
trying to collect research on topics that um, were missed in kind of uh, the past uh, books about the history of the town of Bethlehem. Can you share um, what any of those topics are? Uh, let me think. Um, there, there were some early automobile races in the town of Bethlehem uh, in, in the teens. Uh, motorcycle hill climbs. Um, let me think what else. Um, kind of doing, doing, delving into the history of the, the Abbey Hotel. Uh, more about kind of the different owners over the time uh, and the different... Um, owners that there had been yeah different owners uh, remodeling of the building um, the history of pro- prohibition in town and kind of where there were um, you know speakeasies um, kind of different crimes in town like 1957 there were pinball uh, seizures by the government from different businesses oh because at the time uh, pinball was illegal <laughs> Because like they they felt that the that you if you won uh, free games on the pinball machine that this was somehow going to morally corrupt you. Wow! <laughs> uh, so they they would actually uh, take pinball machines and then uh, you know destroy them. Um, there were some uh, investigations of obscenity in town. There was like a, a private letter that was sent that was sort of a blackmail letter and then um, one of the early movies that the Jericho drive-in was going to show back in the 1960s um, some people didn't like uh, and so they were pressured not to show it um, by current standards I think it would have been considered maybe just a little risque, but not really obscene. Um, so looking at marinas that had been in town, kind of islands that used to exist in the, the river that aren't there anymore, um, caves in town. You know, those, there's more caves that are in uh, New Scotland, but uh, apparently Bethlehem um, does have some, but they may not be kind of um, accessible uh, no kind of way into them has been found. Uh, there was a proposed um, electric railroad, the Albany, Helderberg, and Schoharie Electric Railroad Company, kind of that was going to go from Hurstville through uh, Slingerlands or Normansville, Ellsmiller, Del Mar, Slingerlands, New Scotland, um, kind of maybe out to the escarpment or to one of the lakes. Just a variety of things. Wow. <laughs> what a variety. That's fascinating. <laughs> Yikes. Well, our time has just flown by. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. My closing thing, I wanted to just read two sentences from the essay upon human rights. I just found this riveting for today as well. He, rights are human rights and pertain to human beings without distinction of sex. Laws should not be made for man or for woman. And we could add today, <laughs> I'm editorializing, mm. transgender, right. whatever. 
But for mankind, man was not born to command nor woman to obey. And just you brought these words out of the past where people can think about them. And they would have been just lost over time. So thank you. And do you have some closing thoughts? Um, well, I'd certainly recommend that book, The Votes for Women, um, kind of reading the Declaration of Sentiments from 1848. If people have never read that, um, I think they'll find that it kind of still uh, may speak pretty powerfully to them today. Um, and yeah, I would just encourage people to think about your local history, that kind of um, however small your community uh, may be, kind of uh, it, it nevertheless probably was engaged in uh, some of the bigger issues of the day uh, over the decades and centuries, uh, even if that involvement uh, may have been forgotten. And kind of if you read a, a history of your community uh, or kind of have the opportunity to explore kind of your local historical society or museum, uh, don't assume that everything has been collected already. Uh, there, there may still be a lot to be uh, rediscovered still. Excellent. I love that. We all have to rediscover <laughs> what our past was so that we have a, a better future. Thank you so much for your work and for sharing it with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. 